uh, it comes down to even when you're selling your home, is the tenant going to be moving out? So that's that's the one uh, most uh, common case that I get on a daily basis. Tons of phone calls about how do I um, have my tenant move out? It's, it's the same question that has started um, since COVID started. You're listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Hello, Right Club Nation. It's Laurel Simmons here. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you checked out our online community yet? I really hope you do because our online community is a place where you can find lots of education, training, and information about real estate investing and about general business. Plus, it's a great place to network with like-minded people. We have interactive forums, all our podcast episodes, and tons of videos about a wide range of topics. It's free to join, so be sure to come grow with us at therightclub.com. Now, on with our podcast. Welcome everyone to another Right Club podcast. I'm Laurel Simmons and I'm here with my co-host Francois Lantier. Hello Francois, how's it going today? Good, and you Laurel? I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, we just uh, have a great guest today. Uh, we don't often talk to paralegals, but today we do. Um, Annika Helen is, um, is our guest. She's a paralegal in the province of Ontario. And it was really fun to hear some of her stories and, and to, to, to have uh, some explanation about what paralegals actually do, because I didn't know that she could do some of the things that she does. So that was really, yeah. really neat. Um, and, um, and you guys have to listen because she has a really interesting story about her name, right? Yes, I just loved it because I, I thought her name was a bit unusual, but you'll find out why. <laughs> yeah, you got you to gotta listen to find out because it's a really a neat story. Um, and um, other than that, Francois, well, we, we here at the Right Club are busy as always, right? We're working on the website and we would love it if you came in and joined us there. All you have to do is go to therightclub.com. If you're not a member, just join us. It's free. And there's all yes. this content and stuff there for you to do. Um, and every day we're adding more and more stuff. So come join us, go to the forums, talk to us. It, it, it's, we're just looking forward to, to seeing you there and meeting you because we, we get to meet different people all the time, don't we? Yes. And there's even a find a friend button now, which is great. And yeah. I remember that now that it's live. I remember when I first met Daniel, one of the co-founders and your husband, telling me about this upcoming website now it's live so let's go and <laughs> let's see it <laughs> well, yeah let's go exactly so speaking of let's go let's let's go to the interview perfect well welcome annika to our right club podcast we're so happy to to have you uh here because you're a paralegal and um you know what? I thought a really good way to get started would be for you to tell us what a paralegal actually is and what a paralegal does. Now, I know you're in the real estate world. You're a, par a real estate, uh, or sorry, a paralegal that specializes in real estate. But in general, what does the, what what is the role of a paralegal? Because I think a lot of people aren't very clear on that. Um, a paralegal is, is basically 
whatever that a lawyer does, but we're just limited to certain areas of law. For example, me working with Ryan Carson, him being a real estate lawyer, I can't as a paralegal actually practice in real estate law, but I would be able to assist him and I would be able to deal with um, all the small claims court matters, um, landlord and tenant matters, um, provincial offenses matters. I am allowed as a paralegal to deal with that side of the law. Um, paralegals are very popular because uh, we don't charge as much as lawyers and we are able to give out cost certainty. So we would be able to sit down with a client um, and give them an idea about how much the whole process of going to court would be other than, um, you know, compared to a lawyer who charges uh, by the hour. So my retainers, um, they're all block fee. When I hire somebody, uh, when, when somebody hires me, they get to know what exactly they're paying from A to Z, um, you know, compared to a lawyer, when you're hiring a lawyer, um, it's based on an hourly basis. So paralegals are very popular in that aspect. Okay, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I may be, but my understanding is that um, paralegals are, well, you're really well-versed in the law, um, and that um, you also do a lot of the research. Like, you, you, basically, lawyers really depend on paralegals. Is that correct? Um, it, it is mostly true in America. Paralegals are known for, you know, doing the research and assisting lawyers here. However, in the past 10 years, the roles of uh, paralegals have changed. So if somebody is a licensed paralegal, they don't necessarily assist lawyers anymore because they are allowed to take their own files. Um, so paralegals that I know in the area or just, you know, uh, newly licensed paralegals, they do train with lawyers but only because they're learning. And once they're fully trained, they tend to have their own caseload and own clients. Oh, okay. Okay. That's really, really interesting to know. All right. Um, okay. Now, before we get any farther, okay, I'm, you know what question I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you about your name because just before we came on air, you told us about your name. And I, we, uh, Francois and I both think this is really, this is really a great story. So your name is Annika Helen. And as you said to me, um, my last name, you know, sounds like a first name. So tell us, tell us why your last name is Helen. Um, so my first name is Annika and my middle name is now Tabassum, which was originally my last name. But when my dad um, filed an application for the first time for a passport for when I was a baby, he switched, he made a mistake with the little boxes on the form and he put my um, middle name as my last name and my last name as my middle name. So I ended up uh, with Helen as my last name now and I've been stuck with it forever. But it's really cool, it stands out. People remember it, I'm sure, which helps. And this would be a perfect case for a paralegal. Like how do you sort this out <laughs> 20 years down the road? Or <laughs> um, do, you, do you work I... on files like that, like names? And I, I know like in real estate, especially women, like my wife, she took my name and then sometimes her maiden name comes up and we have to prove that she is indeed herself. And I, I thought about it, um, but I feel like all my degrees and certificates and all the records are, you know, with this name. So for me personally, as much as I would love to, you know, fix my name, I'm just so used to it. So um, even with, you know, used to the story that Helen's my last name and how it ended up being that way. So uh, I, I'm just sticking to it for now. 
<laughs> that's really, you know, it's just a great story. And uh, yeah, I can see that happening easily. And it's like, um, whoops, oh, well, <laughs> so much for the, they had long history of the family last name, right? But that's all right. You have a great story to tell your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. So, so Annika, you are a paralegal in the province of Ontario, which means you can practice in Ontario. Um, I'm assuming that like, like uh, lawyers, you have to qualify in every province, um, yeah. you know, if you want to practice in another province. Yeah. Okay. So, um, in general terms, though, I mean, there's lots of, I'm sure, overlaps between what paralegals do in the different provinces. And because you deal with real estate, um, you are dealing with, I think, tenant, tenant, landlord, tenant issues. Um, well, well, tell us, you tell us, what kind of things do you deal with as a, as a paralegal specifically related to real estate investing? Um, so I with real estate, I'm not actually working on the deals that are coming through, okay. but um, as soon as it turns into, you know, a deal falling through, getting the deposit back for a deal, um, you know, a deal falling through because somebody didn't complete one of the conditions that was in the, you know, agreement of purchase and sales, um, any, any financial damage that happens due to a deal falling through, it then straight comes to me. Um, and then I take it to small claims or landlord and tenant board, depending on if a property, for example, was tenanted. Um, so most my files are limited to small claims and landlord and tenant. I am also practicing in uh, provincial offenses, but we don't get a lot of clients um, in the area for offenses. But um, so all my caseload and uh, all my files are, uh, especially at the firm working with Ryan, most 80% of my files are, uh, you know, for landlord and tenant. Yeah, and I'm dying to ask, like, what's, what are you seeing? What's happening a lot, like reno evictions and people not wanting to move out? Or what's like a uh, typical case right now? Right now, because of COVID, um, I think landlords are a bit frustrated, um, you know, fairly so, uh, because tenants are... Um, how do I say this, giving landlords a little bit of a hard time when it comes to moving out and um, or paying rent. Uh, so most of my files that I've received in the past eight or nine months, it it's very similar. And most of them are because a tenant is not moving out or, you know, a landlord is selling off their rental property because, you know, they're not receiving rent anymore. And to cover the damages, they're forced to sell their homes. And even then, um, uh, it comes down to even when you're selling your home, is the tenant going to be moving out? So that's that's the one uh, most uh, common case that I get on a daily basis. Tons of phone calls about how do I um, have my tenant move out? It's, it's the same question that has started um, since COVID started. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Right Club Nation, let's take a quick minute here to meet our sponsor for the week, Blackjack Contracting. They've been serving Niagara, Hamilton, and Brantford areas, and for the past three years, becoming the area's largest basement suite renovation specialist. That's right, and Blackjack works with real estate investors, both new and experienced, converting single-family homes into multiple legal suites and renovating properties to achieve their maximum potential and value. 
Absolutely. And they've completed over 100 units from Brantford to Niagara Falls and everywhere in between. They handle everything from permitting and design to final cleaning before you list your rentals. And they also have fully licensed electrical contractors certified with the ESA and take jobs of all sizes. Make sure to check them out at blackjackcontractinginc.ca and also follow them on social media at blackjackcontractinginc. And they say investing can sometimes feel like the biggest gamble of your life, but when you have blackjack on your side, the house always wins. So now back to the podcast. And now back to the show. Yeah, we're seeing that a lot in the papers. Like even as a principal residence, people are buying tenanted houses and they were promised vacant possession, which I think you're not supposed to right now. <laughs> and then they, they become homeless. So what do you do? Like what's, what's the recourse there? Um, I think the first step would be to when you are looking at, you know, into buying houses um knowing how hard the times are right now um you know dealing with a tenanted property i think it, like the first step is to be very careful and have a, have an open communication with the seller because when it comes down to um having the tenant leave the property before the deal closes um you need to have a written agreement from the tenant um, verbal, uh, you know, most times a tenant would agree with you verbally and say, you know what, I'm, I will, we'll move out. But uh, when it comes to the date or before the closing date, they are very much allowed to change their mind and stay in the property. So it comes down to the buyer, um, you know, arranging for uh, a, a different place to live momentarily until the tenant decides to leave. So, uh, you know, the first step would be to be careful. And second, ha always have a written agreement. You have to um, usually serve an 11, you know, to the tenant that mutually ends um, the tenancy in case if you're renting out. But when it comes to selling and the new buyers moving in again, it has to be form N12. And that states that, you know, the buyer uh, the landlord themselves or the new purchasers, they are moving into the unit and hence they require the tenants to move out. Now, um, just because a tenant signs that form or agrees to the form doesn't mean that they legally have to leave. Um, they can sign it and, you know, a month later they can call you and tell you that they're not leaving. Um, in that case, you do have to file an application uh, with the landlord and tenant board. And then um, you, you're going to have to wait for an eviction order. And with COVID right now, and um, with the eviction ban that we had, uh, you know, during the last lockdown, um, they are giving out eviction orders, but you're just not allowed to enforce it until the lockdown restrictions are lifted. So it's just a matter of, you know, communicating with your realtor first and foremost, and uh, making sure you're having those talks with the seller because um, what a tenant does it's really not up to the seller or the buyer, right? The, the tenant is a whole different um, unit in the deal and what they do totally affects um, the deal. But um, I'm also getting a lot of complaints from the buyers that the sellers have not done their best. But um, to be honest, sellers, it's really not up to the sellers. The sellers are probably trying their best, you know, to have the tenants move out and it is out of their hands. Like as landlords, we're not um, allowed to kick our tenants out. Ontario protects tenants um, a lot. 
Um, so when it comes to protecting landlords' rights, we just have to be uh, super careful and very, very patient when you want those tenants out. It's just, it's just amazing to me, maybe appalling is the right word, that uh, you can you can even have a, a, like a signed piece of paper, uh, basically a contract where the tenant agrees to do something and yet they can change their mind at the last minute and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they won't be able to leave, you know, uh, right away because of that and you're not allowed to kick them out. But um, the question that I get from clients all the time, so are they gonna be living in my unit forever now? No. So it's just a matter of, you know, you waiting for that hearing or that order from the board. And as soon as you have that, you can get them out. Except that if you have an order from the board, then, I mean, at least in Ontario, and I don't know what it's like in other provinces, you then have to, if, if they don't leave voluntarily, you have to get the sheriff involved, correct? Usually you have to get the sheriff. Like that's, that's the most common scenario. It's just for your own safety because you never know how a tenant might react. To, um, when you show up. So the only way to enforce it is to have a um, sheriff with you. And what kind of timelines are you seeing? Like you mentioned being patient. I have a situation like this. It's been almost two years now. So like patience is a virtue, I guess, but I'm starting to lose it. But what are you seeing? Because I, I was told mine is a bit longer than usual, like 20 months, 21 months seems to be long, but. Um, when it comes to normal applications, like L1 and L2, when you're evicting the tenant because of, you know, non-payment of rent or you're selling off the unit, um, we're looking at about 15 to 19 months right now just to get a hearing with the board. Um, usually that would have been three to four months before COVID. So because we are so backlogged at the board, um, it has been extending since COVID started. And um, when situations are a bit more complicated, it could take longer than 20 months. Um, like you said. I've been told that even police officers can't really help. So some people have that misconception that you have a bad tenant, they're trashing the place, and then you call the police. Well, that's not the case. They can't really help unless it's, I think it's a fire hazard or there's some sort of drug dealing or illegal activity. Um, Everything else, they can't help out. Yeah. So uh, police, they don't really have the right to uh, you know, get involved in anything that is related to tenants. Um, but when it comes to safety, like you mentioned, um, illegal activity, like selling drugs, um, you know, just anything that, uh, is illegal or when it comes to, um, somebody else's safety, like say you have a tenant, um, and their neighbor has complained to you that the tenant has, um, I don't know, hit their son or just ran over their dog with their bicycle or something like that when it comes to you know danger and safety of others there is a deadline um, that you can get you know file a notice or uh, you know give them the form serve them with the notice that says you know this is because of danger and safety of others um, and they do have to move out in that scenario I think they have 10 days from when they get the notice and in that um, situation you actually do not have to go to the board to evict them because it involves with um, you know, safety. So they, they have to move out by the end of the 10 days. And if not, you can actually um, get the police to uh, be involved in that scenario only. I would imagine though that that's a fairly rare occurrence and, and it can't be abused because the last thing a, a landlord should be doing is 
sort of making a false claim and trying to right. get them out that way. That's that's not the way to go. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, it is hard to prove though. Sometimes I've recently had a client whose whole you know, whose whole unit was damaged, and she said it looked like somebody broke in. Um, the tenants were were not living in it. Um, she found drugs but the police weren't going to help her out at all because she hadn't, she doesn't even know where the tenants went. They left the unit. So there's nobody to serve that form to. Um, she can't empty out the unit because it's legally still her tenants. So now she has to sit there in the corner watching her unit get destroyed. And she, she honestly, like as unfortunate as it is, she's not able to do anything at the moment. Hey, Right Club Nation, I just wanted to take a moment and introduce you to today's podcast sponsor, privatebuyers.ca. On your team of experts, you're going to want to make sure that you have a great wholesaler that's going to bring you some great deals off market. So most real estate investors, they're struggling to find their next deal. Private buyers, they help investors by bringing them some off-market opportunities at under market value so that they can make more money. These discounted real estate deals are not on the MLS. They've been found by privatebuyers.ca who will then send them to your inbox. And they're also gonna focus on your criteria and your goals and send you some tailored deals that match your needs. It's just really simple, guys. Just go to privatebuyers.ca, fill out the form, and start getting and seeing some available off-market opportunities. Privatebuyers.ca. Now back to the podcast. Can you take some extreme measures as a landlord, like tear down the building or something without, if you can't find the people, I mean, if uh, it's that destroyed, I guess you could demolish the place. You could. Um, I think the safe timeline to wait to see where, whether the tenants return is to keep an eye, um, you know, visit the unit, see whether their stuff are the same whether they're taking out their, you know, belongings or is, you know, does it all look the same? Um, the proper amount of time that's advice to keep an eye is about six to eight months. If they're not returned by then, you can go ahead. And um, again, you still have to write a notice. You have to write a notice and you have to serve it to that empty apartment just in case they ever come back and leave it like that. Um, and, and when you see that it's, you know, it has passed that timeline, you can go ahead and, you know, clear, clear, you know, take out their stuff, demolish and repair uh, whatever you may see fit. So what's the, what is the, I don't know. Okay, this is a two part question. Let's do, let's do, let's do the first one. So what's the worst case you're working on right now? Just give us a, I don't know, we don't want names or anything, but what's the absolute worst case you're working on right now? Um, it would have to be the damage one, the one that I just mentioned. Yeah, because um, she has, my client has called me over seven times in the past week and she cries on the phone and I, and I really want to help her. I really do. But it's just, I feel like the law has um, not really left us any options right now. So, you know, it's really hard to see, especially, you know, because it is our only rental property that, you know, uh, she wants to sell it off, but she can't. She doesn't have the money to repair it. Um, so it's it's just really hard to see that. I can't really get her the proper solution that she's looking for. And okay, so, and I can understand how difficult that is for her, for you, for everyone. It's not, it's just not pleasant for anyone. But on the other, on the other side or the, the other end of that spectrum, um, you must have 
some funny stories or some good stories or something that went fair like better than you expected it to to go or can you think of anything um to be very honest landlord and tenant matters are quite boring um, <laughs> well that's good isn't it i mean it is it is <laughs> I, I i don't think i have um run into any matters so far that are you know crazy um or just super interesting it's always the same thing how do i get my tenant out <laughs> Um, and our firm mostly deals with landlord uh, matters. So we don't really take files on um, that has to do with helping tenants just yet because we just feel like there's a conflict of interest because our firm is a real estate investor firm. Um, so we tend to stick to landlord uh, files. So most of my files have been the same. How do I get my tenant out? Or, you know, I'm selling it off. So as much as I would love to tell you a really interesting fun story, I don't have one. It's it's the same boring old uh, question. How do I get my tenant out? <laughs> have you ever seen like oftentimes you can't really sue the tenant because usually they don't have much, but I have come across very wealthy tenants that have destroyed places. Have you ever seen a lawsuit that was kind of successful or some sort of case to really recuperate everything that was damaged? And Yeah, um, the way it works is that if, you know, if your tenant is, you know, they have the money, and uh, they're not helping you fix the damages that they have caused. The most efficient way that we do it is that take a claim to small claims court. And you have to sort of, you know, take pictures and quantify the damages and you have to obviously prove, right? But as long as you have those proof, um, it, it goes well. I've seen many, you know, it, and your tenant doesn't even have to be rich as long as they have a job and, you know, they have some assets. Um, you might not get the money right away after the judgment. You do have to go after them sometimes just to, you know, have just to prove again that they do have the means to pay. Um, but it does end well in, in most cases when you are taking them to small claims court. Um, and that's quite different from landlords and tenant, right? Because when they're your tenant and when it has to do with rent and, um, you know, just trashing the place or just anything like that you just scoop it and take it to small claims and then that's a whole different uh deal it's not as restricted as uh, the landlord and tenant board so you can just sue anyone and everyone who's causing you trouble and small claims court there's a maximum amount uh, first of all and then do you have to wait until the tenants moved out or can you sue them while they're still living there um, it goes both ways. So the limit at small claims court right now is $35,000 um, plus legal fees. So legal fees would be extra. Um, your principal amount could be $35,000 and anything extra you claim could be over $35,000. Um, so now, for example, if you're talking about a tenant who has, um, you know, caused damage in the unit and they're still living in it, uh, the first way to go about is, you know, have, you know, have them reimburse you, try and sit down with them and show them the damages and try and get the money back from them uh, there. But if they say no, and you can prove that the damages were caused by them, you're absolutely allowed to go to small claims and sue them. And just by the way, that 35,000, that is uh, provincial, right? That's for Ontario, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So it could be different. I don't know what the, the numbers are in different provinces, but I think it's probably similar, but maybe not. I don't know. Okay. It was actually 25,000 until last year. So they just increased it. Yeah, I knew that. I was surprised when you said that because I, I knew that it's 25 and I hadn't realized that they increased it to 35,000. 
yeah. which you know. we're only hoping that they keep you know increasing it so we get uh, files with bigger monitoring amounts on it. Well, yeah, I mean, because it, it's not like you were just talking about the damage that that person did to that, that one client. I mean, that could easily be a hundred grand for all, like, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, yeah, they broke down windows. They took out, you know, the screens uh, that goes into the backyards. They damaged uh, the stove. The fridge was absolutely broken. So she's looking at a decent amount of money to repair her unit. And uh, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's not easy. Oh, uh, and yet, hey, you know, everyone who's listening to us, please understand that not all tenants are bad tenants. We all have a lot of good tenants. I have wonderful tenants. I know, Francois, you've had a, a, some issues, but and yeah, we've had, you know, one or two that weren't great. But overall, like tenants, if you approach them, like they're people, right? And if you have a good relationship and you choose the right tenant because as you said Annika it's like if you do it right like correctly right from the beginning and th that includes choosing the right kind of tenant yeah. then you're probably going to have far less issues along I mean, the way. you know I've been a tenant myself so and, yeah and and um I don't think anybody could ever complain that I have been a bad tenant I'm not a tenant anymore but you know, when I was, I was a really good tenant. I've never laid on my rent and I did everything that I was supposed to. So, uh, you know, all my friends who are, you know, who are still renting and people that I know, they're all good tenants. So not everybody's bad. I, I would oh, have to. You're absolutely right. I remember when I left my, my rental property, like as I was renting and I bought my first property, I remember my landlord got on the phone and she said, please don't go, please don't go. <laughs> She said, I'll pay you to stay. I don't want you to go. <laughs> I said, I'm so sorry, but I did buy a property. I'm moving. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there are lots of good tenants. There are lots of, of good tenants. So, so you know what? I think it is now time for the famous lightning round. And the way this is going to work, Annika, is that Francois and I will uh, just alternate questions. We'll ask you a question. Give a Give a quick answer. We're not asking for a, a big, long answer. And then we'll go on to the next one. So are you ready? I'm going to ask you the first one. Okay. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. Alrighty. So what's the best advice you've ever received from, oh, another investor, a real estate investor, or at a networking event? Um, for myself, professionally. It doesn't matter professionally for you, for yourself. What, what's the best advice you've received? Um, hustle. hustle. I have to keep hustling. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Grind and hustle. That's, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Great advice. Yeah. You have to keep at it and keep working. 
Yeah. Uh, so our next question is, what's your favorite resource for, well, usually it's for real estate investing. I'm not sure if you're an investor yourself, but what's your favorite resource, like a book or some sort of inspiration, a podcast? Um, Google. <laughs> I Google everything. A question pops up. I wake up and I, you know, like even in the middle of the night, I do have that habit. I, I open my phone, I type it in. And so I, I Google everything and I read endless amount of articles that I find um, on the given topic. You know, it's so funny that you say that because um, Francois and I did a, another podcast interview and just, just before you, and we got the same answer. The famous, re, the, the same, you know, the, the favorite resource was Google. And that's like the first time I've heard this answer. So two answers in the same, like within the same couple of hours, but that says something, doesn't it, about how, how we do a business these days and how we, how we research instead of going to libraries. I remember the days when we actually went to a library to look things up, but you know, that's another story. <laughs> okay. it, it works out because um, all the law books back in the days would be in a library or in a book, but now everything's on Google. And the best part about it is that they update it all the time. So I'm not having to go through five books to get one information. I just type it in and it's there. And there it is, good. All right, question number three. So tell us, what, what attribute has made you successful? I'm patient. I'm very, very patient. And I keep at it. So if I fail, I try and I try and I never give up. So that, that's one thing that has gotten me through things. That's really cool. Yeah, patience is a virtue, like I said. <laughs> and mine <Yeah>. is gone. <laughs> Maybe I'll call on you to extend my patience. So that's awesome. <laughs> no, I mean, you know what? I will change that a little bit. It's patience when it comes to, you know, um, when I was in school or life or work. But for little things, my patience is very thin. Okay. <laughs> so I'll give you that. <laughs> so you're not perfect. That's good. I, I'm reassured now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so our fourth question, what do you typically do on a Sunday morning? I sleep in. I love to sleep. I'm known for sleeping in. Yeah. I know, I know it's, it's, I get picked on at work all the time. They don't even bother asking me, you know, they don't ask me what I'm doing anymore. They just say, oh yeah, Annika's sleeping. It's okay. You know what? Sleep is like, so it's, we don't get enough sleep and bravo for, for doing what you want to do and, and, and enjoy it because who knows later on, in life you might not have you might, might not be able to sleep in on a Sunday morning so if you can do it, do it now I say go for it do it <laughs> yeah I, I try as much as I can to get my sleep so Good for you all right so Annika um where can people reach you I'm I'm reachable through email and phone and social media um I'm everywhere but um I am most reachable through my work email, which is Anika, A-N-I-K-A, at carsonlaw.ca. Um, shoot me an email, and I'm, I'm always answering my emails, even on weekends, so I'm always there um, to respond. Um, I'm also on Instagram and Facebook, but it is through my work. Um, if you go to Carson Law Office Instagram page and on Facebook, I'm also there. So if you leave me a question, um, I'm always going to get it. Uh, it comes through to me and I would be happy to answer. Except not on Sunday morning. <laughs> I, I will wake up and respond to it. <laughs> okay. Well, it was really, really nice to talk to you, Annika. Thank you so very, very much. 
Thank you for having me. Thank you. Hey, Laurel. So how did you like that story about Annika's last name? Oh, I thought that was hilarious. I really did. I mean, I can just see, you know, a mistake being made on the, uh, on the passport application and oops, too bad. Your name just got changed. <laughs> That's just yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> and, but you know, she's right. Like if you, if you, if it's on your passport application, you can't just like your, your, everything has to match, right? You can't have a different driver's license name and a different name here because when you go like, like I'm thinking when, you know, those days when we used to travel, remember that? Um, and if you wanted to rent a car in another country, you had your passport, you had your driver's license, they better match. Oh, <laughs> yes. Getting that car, right? And even lots of places you have to provide two types of, of uh, ID with, with a photo and presumably the same name on the piece of ID. <laughs> Try buying real estate with mismatched names. Can you imagine? <laughs> that would be something else. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Yes, exactly. Um, so, so what did you? Um, what else did you pick up from Annika's interview? Like, I, something I don't really, something really big that I I kind of forgot about. But paralegals going to small claims court. I thought that was really cool because a lot of people focus on the landlord and tenant board. Uh, with tenant issues yes that's where you need to go that's the proper channel but there is something else and there is some hope <laughs> so the small claims court and you can go up to thirty-five thousand dollars now so that can help i mean sometimes the damage is way beyond that but it's something at least so it's encouraging yeah, exactly and and 35 grand i mean there are probably a lot of cases where 35,000 or what you know part thereof will handle you know, most of the expenses, maybe, maybe in some cases, all the expenses you've incurred. So who knows, right? Like it is another avenue and you're right. I hadn't really stopped to think about that too, but that it's just another, it's another weapon in our arsenal. I hate to talk about weapons, but sometimes we need them, right? We need to know that the, that help is there if we need it. Yes, absolutely. And it, it goes both ways too, even for tenants suing landlords. Let's hope that doesn't happen, but it's there and there are some bad landlords out there. We spoke about some tenant issues, but there are landlords that are not good either. That's why all of this came to fruition, so. That's right, exactly. So before we wrap it up, um, Francois, let's just ask people to rate us, rate the podcast. We would really appreciate it on whatever platform you listen to your, your podcast. If you give us a, a really good rating, because we'd really like a good rating, um, that helps us get in front of even more people who can listen to the podcast and learn and hopefully become part of our community. So until next time, what do we say? Come grow with us. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.